Hey there, this is Brian. I'm the host of the Engaging Missions show. If you've found this show for the first time, I did want to take a second to let you know that this show is not currently in production. You're certainly welcome to check out all of the archives, but we don't have new episodes coming out at the moment. However, I did want to take a second to highlight one of the sponsors that sponsored the show a while ago. They're not currently sponsoring the show, but if you're looking for a place to invest in the kingdom, I'd recommend checking out Mega Voice Audio Bibles. You can find them at megavoice.com, or you'll find a link in the show notes, and I would encourage you to just check that out and see if maybe that's a fit for your giving. There's no compensation here or anything like that. I just wanted to highlight them. And with that, I'll get you back into the regular program. Have you thought recently about your story of freedom? Is there more freedom that God wants to release you into? Well, we're going to talk about that and a lot more. This is the Engaging Missions Show, episode 220 with Jeremy Rochford. Welcome to the Engaging Missions Show, where we are bringing missions home. Here's your host, Brian Ensminger. Thanks so much for stopping by and welcome back to the show. We want to see the body of Christ fully connected and engaged in what God is doing. This week, we're going to be talking about an area of worship that you might not have considered, some things that can hold us back in ministry, team building, and how competence alone isn't enough. There's actually something more important than that when it comes to ministry. I'm going to have for you a podcast recommendation brought to you by missionalaudio.com. And I also want to welcome Cody, who recently liked the Engaging Missions Facebook page. If you'd like to do that as well, visit facebook.com slash engagingmissions. And Cody, welcome. Thanks so much. It's great to be connected with you there. I do have an announcement. I mentioned this last week. I'm going to be taking December off from publishing. I'm still going to be recording, but I'm going to be taking the month off from publishing. I'll have a little bit more about that after our interview. I want to make sure that you have an opportunity to hear what's going on and also a way for you to make sure that your voice is heard if you're interested in doing that. Now, I do have for you what I think is an incredible episode, so sit down and enjoy, and then make sure that you stay to the end so you can find out more about what's going on with the Engaging Missions show. All right, tonight I am incredibly happy to have with me Jeremy Rochford. He was a worship leader and was part of a church planning team where he built teams and ministered weekly. Now he's transitioned to a weight loss expert who brings grace and biblical principles to those who want to make big changes in their lives, and he ministers to unbelievers through weight loss. So, Jeremy, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Brian. Oh, this is absolutely my, pre- my pleasure, and I'm going to try really hard to say weight loss and actually get it to come out right. Now, <laughs> you, you were a worship leader in a church plant. Now you're a weight loss expert, and you've seen some pretty significant transformations in your life. If you could maybe just go back a few years right now and say something to the you from a few years ago, what would that be? <laughs> Man, there's so much. How, how do you choose just one? Yeah. You know, I, if, if I were to choose just one thing, I, I really want to tell younger me to remember why I'm doing it. Mm. I, I feel, especially at least with my experience with music, it almost seems the more success you have, the the less it becomes about why you started. Mm. And I don't know if that resonates with anyone else, but I know with me and with music and with band stuff, it seemed like we were always trying to get to this place where 
we were either full time or above full time. And you almost watched the dollars and cents and the economics of it more than you did the, the lives you were changing. And, mm. you know, being removed from it now, sort of starting this new venture, I can look back and go, how I can really see the times where it truly was about worship. And then I can also see the times where maybe there were opportunities taken or, or scenarios that happened that were probably selfish, to be honest with you. It was more about the the show than it was the actual worship. Wow, that that's good. And I, I just got to be honest, you're kind of nailing me right now because I'm approaching a season <laughs> where I'm planning to take a little bit of time off from this show because I feel like it's time for me to spend a little bit of time in prayer and refocusing so I can come back and, and do what I believe God's called me to do. So I, I really appreciate you sharing that. Let's talk a little bit about your role as a worship leader. You were in a church plant. You were a worship leader. What was it that you did? Yeah, it, it, it's fun that you mentioned this because as, as I was looking at, at, at this conversation we we're going to have, I, I traced it back to where it all started. Mm. It actually started in campus ministry. Okay. And I feel like that's where I got so comfortable worshiping in the church plant setting because it was very, a very small, very intimate setting, very much like you just show up and you have church. Mm. And so that's where everything started on, on the worship side of things. It started out, I was a guitar player and a singer, but I found out, at least in my scenario, that the more we got people engaged in the worship service, mm -hmm. the more they wanted to come when they weren't engaged. Wow. And so for me, I, I used the worship scenario as much of an outreach to, to non-believers or maybe the casual believer who maybe they went to youth group and now they're having their big college experience. And what I found, at least in my experience, is for some of us, that 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 never goes away when you grow up hmm. because you have peaks and valleys in your life where you're really on fire and you have that you, those youth group moments and then you become an adult and you graduate and you move to a new city. Well, what happens? Well, it's, it's almost like a microcosm of that all, all over again. And so when people start seeking, even as believers, you know, I would find that as a worship leader, though, I love to sing and I'd love to play guitar invite people into the process. And maybe that meant that I played bass for that season mm. and let someone else play guitar. And, and, and I, I was the leader from the clerical and the bass side, or maybe it was mm. front stage, Mike one in the center. It's, and I'm just, I'm processing what you said about people, you know, having the, the ups and the downs and having that steadfastness in their lives to, to bring them back. And I'm wondering when you look at your time as a worship leader and when you saw people interacting in that, do, do you see a pattern in their lives that led them to that and that allowed them to continue walking in that as, as they were sometimes feeling connected and sometimes not? I would say, yeah, I would honestly say, yeah, I feel, I feel like God gives us great talents and sometimes we use them for, for the glory of God. And sometimes we use them just, maybe as a casual hobby or we get wayward with them. But what I would notice is when I would in, invite other people to sing and, and I would just play a secondary role where I was just leading worship through the guitar and there'd be other singers and one would sing one song and one would sing the other. You would find the, the inclusion and, and the love really started mm -hmm. to, I, I don't want to say sustain their involvement, but I would find that the more people we would rotate into the worship scenario where we would have those individuals lead, the more often they'd come back for the times that they weren't leading. Oh, And then you'd notice that the ones who maybe weren't included in the group, 
they almost felt like they were being distanced for a reason mm. and never really had a chance to unpack that. But, but in answer to the question, yeah, I, I would say that the more we would invite people and the more we would keep the group open to new members and, and not this closed off club, like, Oh, you've made it. You're in the band now. <laughs> but the, 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 the more we would, would lay our pride aside and say, Hey, we're all here with our talents and we're all great. And now that we've got that out of the way, maybe we're going to play, maybe this, this team will play every second and fourth week. And then this team will play every first and third week. And mm. yeah, maybe you would love to play lead guitar, but right now we've got four lead guitars and I know <laughs> you can play bass. And, and just the, the more we would stretch people to, and, and myself included, I, I say this myself included, the more we would look at the scenario of how can we serve with our gifts at that time, the more I found people got involved and included and excited about coming, not just for the service they were serving at, but the service in general. Mm. You've talked a little bit about the teams and bringing people in. And, and you know, it's really interesting to think about building a team. As a musician, I would suspect that there were certain level of player that would be required in order to be on the team. How did you go about selecting or allowing team members on, on that team? That's a hard question because yeah. that that brings out a very vulnerable state of me. Oh, okay. <laughs> it uh, no, no, I'm 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 joking. But I, I imagine that anyone listens who is listening to this, who has ever been in a band situation, knows that any drummer who can play to a click track is worth their weight oh, in man. gold. Yeah. And any bass player who realizes that they're a bass player first and not a lead guitar player playing bass, <laughs> just as valuable. Yeah. And it's it's a challenge sometimes because in my experience, we would, you know, the, the church plants I would work with and for and, and volunteer with to lead worship were close to colleges. Mm. And so you had a lot of people who were the most talented in their small area. Right. And then they come to this this other place and they're just as talented. And you've, you've got to balance this this ego scenario where you you really have to and i know it should go without saying but i'm sure anyone who's listening understands that sometimes there's just there's church politics and that's unfortunate mm-hmm. but it happens and you know it's the times where the truth of the gospel really has to be the catalyst in the process and say like well truly why are you here yes you're gifted and you have talents but if you're if you're here to edify yourself maybe you're not ready for a worship role or as most would say lead worshipers, because that's Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, what, what worship leaders should be. They should be lead worshipers. Mm -hmm. They should be the ones who have been put in this position by God, who has given them the talents and the abilities and the calling, and they have the ability to lead others to your actual question though. It was hard because there are some, drummers who think they can drum and they just, they just can't. Yeah. So those are days where you give them a jambe and you, <laughs> yeah. you try to this. And, and I know you're married and this is maybe a inappropriate analogy, but I think it's an accurate analogy. One of the smartest things that I was ever told when I got married was if your wife ever asks you if she looks fat in something, you never ask the question because you never answer the question because you know she's beautiful in something else. So if that question is ever asked of you, you don't answer the question. You say, "Oh, what about that red dress that you look really amazing in?" <laughs> and much like when someone says, "I really want to play a full drum kit," 
you would go, but you're amazing on the djembe. Mm. How about we stick with that? And you sort of have this guiding principle of, well, how do we not insult them and how do we encourage them in what their strengths are, which are in this situation, two-handed rhythm, Mm -hmm. (laughs) while you hopefully give them time to get the full rhythm set and and really to try to bring people into where their strengths are. And you do have the time sometimes where you have to, I don't want to say turn people away, but try to find them in scenarios where they're more suited, like the lead singer who can't really lead, but they're amazing on harmony. So you encourage them to do harmonies more than leads. So it's, mm. it's really all about, to answer the question that we've gotten far away from, and I apologize, no. it, trying, try, trying to balance the, the ability of where they're at because you want to include them, mm-hmm. but also knowing that there might be some limitations and you don't want to insult them in the process. Sure. And to, to be honest, as you're, as you're talking, these just like millions of questions are going around in my mind because this is such a huge topic, even beyond music, right? Because there are people that are involved that want to be involved on various levels. And there's, there's the question of skill. Do you have the skill or the talent to do the thing? And then there's the question of the heart. And you kind of touched on that. And I'm wondering, how did you screen for issues of the heart? I think with like anything else, I would say relationship. Everything starts with relationship. And, you know, obviously sometimes when you're in a situation where you're in more need than you have time, I think sometimes you, you mm. quicken that process. But in terms of you know, sort of the, the vetting process, you, when people get into ministry, I, and this is just my experience, I could be completely off or naive with the, the belief. I, I found that there's really one or there's there's three reasons why people I feel in my experience have gotten into ministry, especially on stage ministry. Let's 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 clarify that. Mm-hmm. On stage ministry, right? One, they have an undeniable gift. Two, they have an undeniable ego. <laughs> or three, they're curious because they might have one or two. Okay. And I feel like when you sit down and you have coffee with someone or you just do lunch with someone or just spend a little time with someone, you can figure out if if you go into it prayerfully where they're at. Mm-hmm. Because at, at the end of the day, right, you know, this is all about God. And if you're going into it as a leader, as prayerfully as possible, because really you, the three of you, you know, God, you, the leader, and the person you're possibly bringing on staff or having volunteer, you want the same result. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's at the end of the day, you want the same result. You're on the same team. And if you as a leader and you're God and God are on the same page and person you're talking to starts to kind of deviate from the program and they start talking about all the great things that they have done not maybe all the things that they can do to help or, or the serve. And, and I, I feel to answer the question, you spend time with people as, as much as you can before the process. So you see where their heart is and, and you give them a chance because, hmm. and obviously it's a little bit different with music because you, you would have a little bit of an audition program mm-hmm. or scenario, but that's, that's as simple as just saying, Hey, let's, let's get together and jam. We'll see what songs, you know, see which service you'd be good for. And, and again, it's, it's about leading with a careful heart, but also a very strong mind. You, you want to, even in the audition process, you want to have them, do it in a way that's edified. You want to set them up for success. Hmm. And if, if the success isn't there, then that's also a great opportunity to say, you know, before they're on stage or before they're in front of everyone to say, 
hey, I, I really noticed that you're you're struggling with bar chords. Is that something that you think has been an issue? And you just kind of walk through those things, or you know, with bass players, or with with drummers. You know, it's it's easier with drummers because it's a click. Like, <laughs> hey, can you follow the metronome? No. Okay, cool, easy. But with bass players, it's I've I've seldom it happens, but I've seldom met a bass player who wanted to be like when they started it's like nashville like when you move to nashville like you seldom meet someone who is actually from nashville mm -hmm. and i've never very or sorry i very seldomly met a bass player who said you know what i want to be a bass player <laughs> it's most people along the way either aren't that good a guitar player or they realize that they're hyper employable as a bass player if you're good but there's a very different mentality and so again in in kind of the the casual audition process where you just playing, jamming, getting to know each other's style, it allows you to experience a little bit of what they'd bring to the stage so you can have your expectations set and then move on from there if they need to maybe practice a little more. Or you can have a conversation about how you can help and not to take it to, to this extreme, but also in, in any form of leadership. I, I've always said that you can tell the difference between criticism and constructive criticism if it's always followed by how can I help, mm. right? So let's say someone comes up to you and they're like, you have terrible taste. <laughs> and then they walk away. <laughs> like clearly they've insulted you. But if they come up to you and they're like, you have terrible style, but my goodness, your face looks amazing. If you just wear brown tones, you just pop when you walk <laughs> down the street. All of a sudden you're like, well, thanks, man. And it's the kind of same thing with, with the soft audition. It's like, you're not really basing good. If you could just like hit when the drum hits, it'd be amazing. <laughs> Here's how, yeah. you know, versus like, you're going to cost us tithes. So you're just not going to be on stage. And so it's, it's the opportunity to almost serve within the serving position. Yeah. I, I think that heart of service is, is pretty, is a pretty huge deal. Now you, you were a worship leader in a in a church plant for for how long for several years I know. Yeah, well, let's uh, let me go let me go through the mental Rolodex. Sure. There's two years for the Pittsburgh one, and then about a year or so in Allentown, and then about two years in Nashville. So about five, I'd say about five years total over three different churches. Okay, and I, I'm getting ready to kind of transition as I'm thinking about the time that you spent doing that. Now you're, you're now a, a weight loss expert and that came out of a pretty big transformation in your life where you've, you've lost a bunch of weight now, but during the time that you were doing that, how much of that time was, was weight really an I issue and did that impact your ministry? It really impacted the early part. Okay. Because there was a time where I had lost the weight and about the same point, it's, it's very, it's a very, it's a unique story and I'll do my best to make it as quick as possible. But coming in out of high school, going into my senior year, sort of in that transition between senior year and college, I lost a massive amount of weight mm. and I went into college really just sort of questioning everything because my entire life, I, I went on my first diet when I was five. Mm. So obesity and morbid obesity is all that I knew. And then I got into senior year of high school and I got kicked out of an amusement park for being too fat to ride hmm. the summer before, the summer between 11th and 12th grade year. And it, it just, it, it was, it was that life change or in my mind, suicide moment where I, just life as I knew it was over and something different had to happen. For me, it wasn't that I didn't like life. I was just bad at it. Mm -hmm. 
And so I ended up losing about 120 pounds going into freshman year of college. And, and around the same time, I also started getting involved in one of the youth groups at school. And I I was going to say, this isn't the place to talk about theology, but actually it might be the yeah, place to talk about theology. <laughs> but I, uh, <laughs> but I, I, I grew up Catholic and I, I struggled with some of, let's just say legalism, some of the things that the church did that I couldn't get a biblical explanation on. Mm. And so it, 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 it gave me sort of this, this crisis of faith because I'd grown up Catholic and I knew of Jesus and I knew of the Bible and, and, and of course the Apocrypha. And, and so, but a lot of the, well, but why, you know, why is there Lent and why if, if, if the goal of all this is to genuinely know and be a disciple, why are we adding saints to pray? And like, why are we adding in the middleman? Yeah. And just in, in the, in the church that I went to, we were told that we shouldn't read the Bible because priests go to seminary for like they dedicate their life to this and you'll never be smart enough. And it's like, I don't find that in scripture. Like yeah. even in, even in, like, I don't, I just, and so I had all these questions and around the same time in one of the most brilliant outreaches, I'm originally from Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh's pretty good at hockey. And so yeah. the, the church, <laughs> the church that one of the kids went to at, at school, they actually did a hockey outreach. And so They'd come, they'd put on these big deck hockey games and they'd have this little message. And for me, that was the first time I actually saw that not just that Christ could be real, but he could meet you where you're at. Because the, 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 the thought of Christ being involved in a hockey thing was just so foreign to me. But that was happening around the same time I was losing weight. And it just kind of brought this whole, well, everything's possible because everything that I had physically known is being turned on its ear because here I am losing this weight and having success. And if that's true, then maybe everything spiritually hmm. that I knew could be questioned. And, and the great thing that I found about the gospel is if, if, you're, if, if you're genuinely questioning to find, like it, it's still a cliche, right? Like seek and you'll find, you'll seek truth and it'll be given to you. But it's like, hmm. it was so true in my instance where I was like, all right, God, I know of you, but I don't know you. And and the more I started digging into scripture, almost to kind of prove my upbringing wrong, the, the more Jesus, the person became real and undeniable. And it seemed like that cemented my faith. Hmm. And it, it put me down this path where I had lost weight. I had played guitar for a few years before that, but I never had the confidence to be on stage because I was just, just, I was the fat kid and mm. I didn't want to draw attention to myself. But once I lost the weight, I finally had the, the confidence. Mm -hmm. And the challenge with that is, is I got so involved with leading the college worship. The, the there, There's two, there's a Baptist one and there was a non-denominational one. I ended up doing worship for both. <laughs> but I quit doing the exercise and I got so involved with it that I gained all the weight back and uh, more over the span of about three years, maybe three and a half. And, and that's when the weight really affected me hmm. because there was this whole, I, I call it winning the social lottery because if, if you look at it pragmatically, I, I lost weight. I was going into college where no one knew my narrative. I could right. have been anything I wanted and after three years, I gave it all away to be the fat kid again. And it was even more frustrating because I had felt what that freedom was like. But in that season of life, 
what really turned it around was a chance encounter at, at actually the cafeteria. I, I was, <laughs> we are, yeah, our, our, we, we had this campus ministry house next to this hybrid lacrosse rugby house. And I was playing guitar and this is about this, this is the time where, you know, John Mayer and sublime was a thing. And, and they'd always invite us over cause I could play sublime and guitar and they, it was cool, but it would give us the chance to, you know, play music, hang out at the bonfire, but also casually minister and, you know, casually be the, the servant who, you know, we wouldn't go over and Bible thump them, but we would have the conversations while they were drinking and, and they'd be like, why aren't you guys drinking? And we're like, oh man, let me tell you about Jesus since you asked. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's kind of like, and so we got to casually have those conversations, but at, at the time I had gained all the weight back. Okay. And I was well, the largest I'd ever been in college and actually in my life at that point. And I was at the cafeteria and the captain of the team came by one day because he just saw me and he was like, I don't want to start trouble with you, man, but you know, you, you come over and you hang and that's cool. And you'll talk to our guys about Jesus and how like maybe there are better decisions that we can make around alcohol and how we treat ladies. But like this is your fourth trip to the buffet and and if your god can't save you from that then maybe you shouldn't talk to my guys about their stuff wow and i was like oh because that that was the first time in my life i had ever looked at at weight loss as a spiritual scenario mm. you know there there'd been a few things that had led up to that where where there were questions and there were there were scenarios, but that was the first time where someone actually called me out. And, and I realized that even without my words, if I'm going to claim the name of Jesus, then my actions need to be in check too. And that was the first time I was like, oh man, he's right. So, so internally the thought process was, what, what, what do I, what do I do here? Yeah. Because I could either denounce my faith or, or, <laughs> Or I could go, well, let's take a full inventory. Like what led us here? Mm -hmm. And it was just, it, it was the affirmation of just a series of events that I had had that had led me to this point where you know, I came to the realization that I was compartmentalizing my life. Oh, yeah. And I was doing a great job of, well, I was college, so I was broke. So <laughs> I was doing a real good job of, you know, giving God my finances because there wasn't much to give. And as a, as a recovering obesian, purity wasn't too bad because I'd been large my entire life. So you know, purity wasn't that much of an issue. So I was like, yeah, this is just like being large again. Here, you take that. But it, it wasn't until, until that moment I had to realize the place that food had in my life and, and, and how much of a comfort and how much of a safety net I made it, which at the end of the day, that was what God had, had wanted to save me from that I wasn't letting him into. Wow. And so once I started looking at how can I make my health and wellness an act of worship and nothing else, I mean, vanity, whatever, how, how do I wake up every day looking at my food and my exercise process through the lens of holiness rather than, I hope I look sexy on Instagram, like what would it look like <laughs> if I would just say, you know what, God, 24 hours, this is all we have, all I have is now. Let's let's make this a holy decision scenario. What would it look like? Mm -hmm. 
in just one day grew into a week and one week grew into a month and a month grew. And so after about 18 months, the weight came off after about another six months after that, it was, it was fully off. And, and now the, the weight's been off for about 14 years. Wow. And, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it has stayed off. So here we are. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's really intriguing to me. A lot of times on this show, we talk about obedience to Christ and what we mean are things like evangelism or, you know, doing what Jesus said. And those, I don't want to discount those, but I appreciate the perspective that you've brought to obedience to Christ being every part of your life and submitting your desire for food or your desire to look good or, or whatever parts of those are to him. As you've done that, obviously there's been a change in your life in terms of the weight because we just talked about 14 years. But what else has that transformed in your life? If I'm being honest, I would say everything. Okay. And it's because so much has changed from that. And obviously you've got the physical, right? You've got the, I can walk into any store and it's not a question of if this is going to fit. It's a question of what style do I want? So obviously there's that. Mm-hmm. My, you know, my finances have gotten better because I, I'm no longer using food as an escape. And, and you know, I was actually looking back at this a, a few months ago because I was, I had worked since I was like, I, I'd been, I, I'd worked since I was 15 years old legitimately. And I had actually started like shoveling snow and cutting grass when I was 12. And, and minus a very, very vintage Sega Genesis, like I've got nothing to show for it Wow! because I was spending so much money on food. I think, I think that's one of the biggest fallacies and, and I don't want to go on this aside, but I'm, I'm so passionate about this mindset that I feel people need to break. One of my friend who is also a fitness person, she, she posted on her Facebook, this billboard of two egg McMuffins that were two for $3 mm-hmm. and, and her caption was, see there it is. It's so cheap to eat bad for you. And it's so expensive to eat healthy. And I look at that and I'm like, I can buy four pounds of bananas for $3. Like that's breakfast for a week. Yeah. That billboard has breakfast for one day. How is one day of food? And and the, the math doesn't make sense. And so for me, my, my income my finances are better because I'm no longer sneaking food. I'm no longer going on fast food benders. I'm no longer making these decisions out of either emotion or deliberate ignorance, you know, where, where I would, well, I mean, I, I, I've, I'm passing a, a food place. I've got to eat because I've, I've not eaten. I've not shopped. And then you come home, and you have junk. You know, my time management skills have gotten better. It, it just, every aspect of my life has changed from the weight loss. Mm. And I feel one of the reasons that I'm so passionate about bringing that mindset into ministry is it helps us get out of our own way. And, and what I mean by that is this, you know, quite often people are, are afraid to share the gospel, just being honest. A lot of people who get into church, it, it just stops there and, and they don't, either understand their great commission or they don't, or they're fearful because of their weight or their size. Okay. And what I've noticed in my life is it's never awkward for me to share Jesus because someone asks me about, well, how did you lay, lose the weight? And I get to talk about, well, here's the physical side, mm. but what's allowed me to keep it off for the past 14 years has been, I've made it an act of worship. And this is what God has meant to me. And this is how God has changed me. 
And all of a sudden, I get to have conversations about Christ because someone asked me how I lost weight. Wow. And so it works twofold in my mind because when I help people who, who have the same belief structure that I do, you know, not only are they losing weight to either be better husbands or better wives or better parents, so they're going to reap the physical benefits, but you can argue theology all you want, but God's changed my life and God's changed their life. And you, you, you see this not only physical transformation, but this internal transformation, this external transformation. And it's all because the yo-yo of weight loss and weight gain has been stopped by so many because of the infiltration of the word of God into the process. Mm. So because I've seen that change in my life and I've, I've seen the change in others, I, I, I've become so, so passionate about it. Because I, you know, one of the great things about moving to Nashville is you realize how talented people are, and and yeah, I've I've led worship and I'm I'm good, but the, the, moving to Nashville is one of those scenarios where it's like, man, hmm. where else can my gifts? Where can my unique gifting be? Where can that further the cause of the gospel? And I, I feel because of how my life has changed, I want so many people to experience that freedom, and I'm sure anyone who's listening who has experienced salvation feels the same way about salvation, right? Like you, it's like, if you could just, if you could just capture what's the, what the spirit actually being in you feels like, you'd have no problem Mm. going on missions and and converting people. And because you'd be like, wow, holiness is amazing. But if you never experienced like that actual feeling, you're like, yeah, sin's pretty cool. I'm just going to keep sinning. You just, you keep your holiness, but you're like, but Jesus, like, he's, <laughs> but until you have that, it's, it's like broccoli, right? Like you, there's so many people who are like, I hate broccoli. And then like you have vegetables and your body's like nutrition. And it's like, you know, you get someone who's lost a little bit of weight mm-hmm. and they have their confidence back and they understand what good nutrition is. And they're like, why did I ever eat McDonald's? Mm. So to answer your question, yes, there's been <laughs> there's there's been a lot of transformation across the board, and and that's why I'm so passionate about it now. Because realistically, it, my thought process on how I lost the weight is so simple, and I, I hate to be like that hair club guy where it's like it, it, I was I'm <laughs> totally, the client, yeah. but it's like literally like like I know me, and if I can do this, so can anyone. But the challenge I think is there's so many fabrications of what's possible that it confuses so many people that they just give up. Yeah. And so I just want to give people legit structure that is biblically based for when it gets hard. So they too can make their wellness an act of worship and just stop the yo-yo so they can get on with their life and be the best person, be the best parent, be the best spouse and be the best minister they can be. Now, I, I know that you have some stuff upcoming that you're going to be launching soon, but I'm wondering, is it too early to talk about some of the transformations you've seen in, the, in both the physical and the spiritual lives of people that you've worked with? You know, it's, it's never too early. And I, I'm, I don't want to pick on my wife, but she, she just recently, so she's, she's amazing. I mean, she really is. She's so beautiful and she's so awesome. And, you know, she just got to this point where she she stalled out with losing the weight mm. of the second baby. Okay. And because she came to the point where for her, you know, holiness was being present because she, 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 to me, there's a difference between being scientifically overweight and socially overweight. Okay. Right. So social to, to me, right. Scientifically overweight is like that 40 or 50 pound mark. The, the best way I heard it said, the, the best way I've explained it to a friend is this, like you've, 
we all have that sort of chubbier friend who we know who likes to make fun of themselves, right? Mm. And if if they're a little bit chubby or they're like that just that TV chubby, then it's cute when they make fun of themselves. They're like, oh, there he is, Jerry. He's so silly. But then like when Jerry gets to be 75 pounds overweight and he's making fun of himself, kind of the room goes, ooh, it's, it's just, it's not funny. Okay. It's, it's, this is, this is becoming a thing. And so for me, it's kind of like that, that 50 pound mark, maybe 40 pounds if you're a little bit shorter or if you're a lady, but there's, there's sort of that mark where you go from society, socially overweight, societally overweight, which is, you know, you're not a model, you're just normal to scientifically overweight, which is your BMI is going to up there. Mm-hmm. And so my wife got right below, you know, being scientifically overweight. She was kind of in that socially overweight, but she really wanted to commit to herself to being a good mother. And then she got to the point where it was just really bothering her. And I never did I want to pressure her. or I, I did. I wanted to do nothing but support her in anything she did. And she came up to me, actually it's about six months ago at this this point she's like i i think i'm ready like can can i do like what you've been working on and you know with with life after fat pants was which is what we're launching we we wanted to kind of break things up into 63 day chunks okay because i feel you know with with a lot of people so here here's what i've learned not only with my experience but with, with helping other people is what most people do asterisk to most because there's there's outliers in every scenario but what, what most people will do is they'll get really excited about weight loss and they'll do something for a week, right? Yeah. And then another week will happen and they'll be like, ah, okay, I'm sore. Or I really want to have cake or X, Y, and Z. And then the third week happens and it's like, oh, and then the fourth week comes and they quit and they're like, but I've tried everything for so long. And you're like, You've tried for a, you've tried for three weeks. Like what? What do you? So what I've noticed is there's so much pre-planning in those four weeks of trying to figure out what works that gets calculated as actually trying that it, it it's never a full launch into what they need to do. So we sort of set life after fat pants up into these sixty-three day cycles where you take two weeks prior right to actually starting. And you dig through these, these five key elements that I call the art of weight loss. And once you've got those five addressed and on lockdown, then you can launch into the 40-day program. Mm. And, and you can look back and you can say, all right, now we start. But you don't actually start until you are 100% ready. And I think that's where a lot of people struggle with is they either join a gym because it's New Year's, but they've never worked out, right? So they spend two or three weeks just trying to figure out how to work out. In their mind, they're like, I'm working so hard. But scientifically, it's like, you're doing something, (laughs) which is better than nothing, Mm -hmm. but you're not really doing what you need to do specifically for you. So you can't count that. So in their mind, they've killed it for three weeks, but scientifically, like, they've not had what they need for three weeks. And so with, with the process... You know, we say, you know, take these two weeks, let's hash it all out. Now you know exactly how you're going to launch. Take these next 40 days. And what's amazing about the 40 days is you learn, wow, after about three weeks, you, 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 not only do you feel better, but you start to see the actual success and you start to see the pants kind of getting looser. And, you know, my wife, she just completed her second 
63 day cycle. She's lost about 22 pounds and, and she, she wasn't really big to begin with. She went from mid one fifties down to like one thirty ish, but for her, she's five two. So she's petite and she's compact. So that 20 pounds, it, it meant that she's, she's dropped like two or three pant sizes. She's had to replace a lot of her wardrobe and just seeing her confidence and her beaminess and the energy she has to run around after the kids is amazing. And I, I only start with her because it's it's the most recent success, but we've had people in the duration of this process, like Roseanne lost 120 pounds. And I mean, she basically graduated from the program before it was a program. Like she, she was one of the inspirations to make it a program because prior to life after fat pants being a thing, I was a personal trainer. I had this, I had a weight loss mentorship program and Roseanne lost like 120 pounds. And she's like, I, I feel like I'm ready to try this myself. And it's, it's like those, those parent moments, right? Like you're 18. The point of being a parent really is to prepare your kid to go. And now you're like, what do I do now? Yeah. You, you know, <laughs> I guess I was a success. They're independent. You know, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned the, the parenting thing, because that's, that's sometimes a real challenge for us. And I'm, you know, it it can be a real grind sometimes to be a parent. But one of the things that keeps me going when things get a little bit tough is I remember that what I'm doing has eternal value. Do you see eternal value in what you're doing? I really do. I I really do. And, and, and here, here is why I think it goes back to, to the earlier thought process of quite often, maybe we're, we're human, right? And, and we want to look good and we want to feel our best, but I feel that sometimes our, our own vanity and our own self gets in the way of ministry, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. I feel like, especially when you take the whole weight scenario, I, I've met many people who were afraid to talk to people or were just afraid to be themselves, or they'd go the opposite way and they'd be the, the boisterous person who was making fun of themselves and trying to get that cheap laugh, but all the while, like, you knew they were dying inside. And I feel like those are the individuals that my heart breaks for because that was me. Yeah, You know, I didn't get into doing music until I'd lost the weight, even though I had been playing music for years prior to that. Well, why is that? Well, it's because I had a confidence issue. I had a self-esteem issue. And I feel like sometimes we allow that to get in the way, even though we have full identity. Like we can, we can recite scriptures. Like we, we can, you know, full identity in Christ and we're beautifully and wonderfully like we can say that but then we look in the mirror and and we've got these creases where there shouldn't be and we just don't believe it but when you're able to get that out of the way then there's nothing to stop you and and not only do you have the physical benefit of you being the best version that you can be but then it it frees up your your mental equity to to go and be who god has called you to be so in my life i've been able to share the gospel in random places, and, and that's kind of the heart behind life after fat pants is, you know, it's mm-hmm. it's as much secular as it is Christ-centered because what it allows me to do is it allows me to meet the needs of people where they're at. And then while I'm helping them with their weight loss, we can organically have the conversation about my story and what Jesus has meant to me, which to me has huge eternal ramifications. Yeah. But that's just me. What if, you know, what if... 10, 20, like what if, what if this became the Dave Ramsey of weight loss? Yeah. Like how, how much eternal ramification could this have? Yeah, I, I love that. And we, we will definitely make sure to link up to, to your website in the show notes so that people can go there and find out more about what you're doing. As we draw this to a close, I'm wondering how can we best pray for you? 
I think it would probably go back to, I would, I would say twofold. I, I would say probably the overarching prayer would be to remember why I started. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's, it's, it's fun to be on stage and entertain people and tell stories about me. But at the end of the day, the only reason why I, I want to share my story or entertain people is to get their attention, to direct them, to get in shape, to get the overweight portion of their life story over with so they can start a new chapter and really be who God has called them to be. Yeah. Because I, 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 I genuinely believe that there's a lot of people who aren't reaching their, their full potential in Christ, not because they're not able, but because it, like, that's the portion they're holding back because their fears are based in the struggles they've had with weight. But if, if you could just remove that from the equation, it opens them up to, to just fulfill that life's purpose. And, and that's what gets me up every day. And as we have conversations about books and like, what does the podcast look mm-hmm. like? And all the ancillary things that we use to amplify the message, I, I, would, I would ask that you pray that the message doesn't get lost in the noise. Wow, that's good. For, for those of you that are listening, I would like to just encourage you right now to go ahead and pause this recording and take a minute to pray for Jeremy and for what's going on with Life After Fat Pants, because I really do believe that this is something that God can use for the kingdom. And I know in my life, if I forget to pray for people at the time, and I think to myself, well, I'm going to do it when I go to bed, there's a good chance it's not going to get done. So I just encourage you to go ahead and do that. Jeremy, this has been an absolutely wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Brian. It's my pleasure. In just a minute, I'll have more information for you about what will be going on with the Engaging Missions show in December and then going into 2018. But before I get to that, I do have this week's podcast recommendation brought to you by missionalaudio.com. This week's recommendation is the Scent Life podcast. Missionary Jonathan Ammon hosts a variety show featuring interviews, live Bible studies, sermons, and content on missions, the gospel, and the Great Commission. Segments include Movement Moments, Bible Reading Project, The Bible, Sex, and Money, and Bad Ministry. This is a podcast that I have subscribed to, and actually I'm hoping to have Jonathan on the show as we get into 2018. He's one of the guests that I have lined up. If you're interested in what he's talking about, I would recommend that you check out this podcast. And if you like it, go ahead and subscribe to it. You'll find it linked up at missionalaudio.com. Now, I know that I've mentioned this before, but I am planning to take the month of December off from publishing for the Engaging Missions show. But let's be honest, I feel like you deserve a bit of an explanation about what's going on and the future of the show. So first off, I just want to say this outright in case you missed it last week. The Engaging Missions show, as far as I know, isn't going anywhere. I'm just planning to take the month of December off from publishing. I want to take a little bit of time to kind of reset and rest and make sure that I have some clear direction for the show because I want to continue to make sure that I'm being obedient to God and following his direction, not just doing things that make sense to me or that are creative or came from me. I understand that God can work in and through my mind, but I'm really wanting to make sure that I've honed in on his direction for the show. Now, you might be wondering, even though I've said that I'm going to be taking some time to pray and to rest and reset, is there going to be nothing going on in the show? And that's that's simply not the case. I actually have four or five, maybe six interviews already lined up between now and the end of the year 
to to record. I've got one, as I mentioned, set up with Jonathan Ammon. I've also got one set up with a missionary in Europe. I've got one set up with a missionary who wrote a book on miracles, things that he's seen happen while he's been involved in vocational missions. And I've also got an interview set up with a well, someone who was involved as a full-time music producer and now is a missionary and a minister to children here in the U.S. It's a pretty incredible story. These are all things that I'm looking forward to bringing to you as we get into the new year. Now, there are some things that I'm considering changing about the show, and I'm not going to really outline those here for you right now, but I would like to say that I will be looking for feedback. And so if you're interested in making sure that your voice is heard as I consider the direction of the show and try to hear from God, make sure that you sign up for the Engaging Missions email newsletter. That's at engagingmissions.com slash newsletter, because I'll be reaching out to the people who are on that email newsletter to get some feedback about things that are good about the show, some things that might be improvable about the show, maybe some things about what you actually need so that I can make sure that I'm providing something that's incredibly valuable for you. I would love to hear from you and connect with you, and I want to make sure that your voice is heard. So again, if you're interested in that, make sure that you subscribe to the Engaging Missions email newsletter at engagingmissions.com slash newsletter. Beyond that, I look forward to having this time of rest because I feel like it's something that God's leading me into. And I also look forward to continuing this in the future. So not going anywhere, but I will be taking some time. If you have any questions about any of this, please don't hesitate to shoot me an email. That's feedback at engagingmissions.com. I'm glad to answer any questions that I have. I want to... I want you to feel like you can reach out to me if you've got questions or if you've got suggestions. You don't just have to wait for me to ask. I would love to hear from you anything that you like about the show, anything that you think could be better. If God gives you a word, please don't hesitate to give that to me. Please feel free to share that with me because I believe that God can speak through us to each other, that he can also speak through the word and that he can speak to me directly. But if he's spoken something to you, please don't assume that he's also spoken that to me and that I don't need to hear from you. You might be the person that God uses to confirm something in my life. With that, I'm going to go ahead and tie a bow on this portion. Thank you so much for being here. I am incredibly thankful that you joined us. And I'm also thankful for Jeremy taking the time to put this together and for the work that Jeff and Gabby do. The show notes for this week's episode are available at engagingmissions.com slash Jeremy Rochford. And Rochford is R-O-C-H-F-O-R-D. That's engagingmissions.com slash Jeremy Rochford. Make sure that you check out those show notes. They, they, in my opinion, they look great. They really highlight and showcase our guests. And we also continue to find ways to improve them and bring more value to you when you visit those show notes. Make sure that you're subscribed to the show so that you don't miss the next episode. If it's going to be a couple of weeks between when I publish and when you come back, it's easy to forget. So make sure that you subscribe. You can do that by visiting engagingmissions.com slash subscribe. And again, if you have any feedback or suggestions for the show, please send those to me. Feedback at engagingmissions.com. Thanks so much for being here. I really look forward to connecting with you and finding out more about what God's going to do with this show in the future. Thanks for listening to the Engaging Mission Show. You can find more great content like this along with show notes by visiting engagingmissions.com or by subscribing to the show in iTunes or Stitcher. Thanks so much for joining us. We'll be back next week.